Joan, you good? I'm good. Let's roll, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome back, folks. It's been a while, but we're back, 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 back. This is 2023-2024. This is the Build It Podcast. I am Nick Miles. John Hall is my regular is my regular co-host, but today John Hall is our guest. Hello, John. That sounds terribly boring. Hi, Nick. Nice to see you again. Hi. Have you enjoyed some time off since the end of the season to uh, uh, avoid me for a bit and, and it, you know, it, focus on your family? It's been one. My family are uh, now sick of the sight of me because I've spent managed to spend more than 10 minutes with them at any given point. It might be that I'm sick of the sight of them and I need the diversion. But anyway, um, it's been lovely. How's it been for you, John? Hi, uh, it's it's been good. Real life has a way of filling my time, whether we're in season or not, which is just fine. No complaints on my end. You and you and I could not be different. I am very much the sit down and watch Netflix and let nothing happen. You are very much the why am I watching Netflix? I should be doing something else. So. Yeah. I, well, I like to do things while I watch Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. Yeah. Be always Disney Plus, right? Yeah. Yes. All right, listener. Um, I did a little bit of prep. I asked ChatGPT to get me some questions to ask a president of a non-league soccer club. And John is that president. Uh, so away we go. I don't know. John has not been prepped on these questions, but they're not really, as ever, they're not gotcha questions. We just want to recap 2023 from a decal point of view. So, John, um, most obviously, I guess, first of all, what were some of the highlights and challenges of the past season on the field and then off the field? Uh, well, that's, that's a good uh, low-hanging fruit question to allow me to ramble for 40 minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think the uh, positives off the field, uh, certainly, I think we were, I have to quantify this, but I believe we were able to probably have the largest financial impact in the community with some of the fundraisers we were part of. Um, I think we were able to, um, obviously our attendance, uh, we, we beat our attendance record, um, all time, which was great. Uh, that did not come easy. That took quite a bit of, um, effort up front. Uh, but we were, we had great attendances all year. Um, I think the feedback from the fans and, and you see it, uh, you know, monitoring the socials and stuff. Uh, people just plain had a good time coming to games. And really, I think the regret was that, you know, schedules don't allow people to attend more games. They, you know, they, oh, I only got out to one game this year. I said, well, that's fine. Just come to one every year and bring some friends next time and buy some, um, buy some footballs. Yeah. You know, ultimately we all grow because people talk about it. So the, the first thing is we sell them on an experience. So we, we have to deliver on that experience when they show up. And even if we miss, right, if we take a swing on something, it doesn't work. Hey, we're, we're doing the best we can. And we're, we appreciate your input and your ideas and your feedback and come back next week. Let's see if we can get it fixed. So those are all positive, um, off the field community thing on the field was 
it was a it was a kind of a uniquely special year in a weird way. Uh, finishing fifth on the table in the Midwest Premier League again was was uh, consistent. Um, I think, in a way, the team was maybe better, um, and we had definitely some you know big results uh, beating RWB Adria for the first time. Uh, we took a point from Bavarians. We beat Chicago House. All those at home. Uh, we were able to beat up on Rockford FC, which is a budding rival of ours, uh, 45 minutes away. But, uh, but then we had some, you know, kind of crummy results away from home. Um, so I, I'm not sure how to fix that. I'm not sure how to address that. Um, and I'm not going to, to be honest with you. But uh, we had some very special moments at home this year. I think you'll agree, Nick. It kind of, you know, as, as much as we don't want wins and losses to define us, wins sure do keep the juice in the tank. And, and man, it's like, this is why we do it. And then we lose and it's like, why do we why do it? <laughs> well, for sure. So, all right. Um, let's dig into that. Um, though I guess we'd probably both agree the the biggest off-field highlight, which was the Chicago House attendance and everything there. Um, well, I guess first off, would you was that is that like is that a fair assessment of that's like a off-field highlight? Um, and it's not why not. But more importantly, what how did we get there? Well, what are the what are the stats and what was the work involved to get to that point? Yeah. So yeah, we, we really did. Um, we put an extra emphasis this year um, and, and credit to you, Nick, really, I think uh, the birthday party packages was one of your brainchilds uh, that we've seen through hospitality from some different clubs across the world. And uh, the birthday party thing worked out. It created a cool little experience for a, a birthday boy or girl and 20 friends and some parents and whatever. And so we were able to get in an extra 25 or 30 people 40 people, whatever it was, any, any given game. Um, and then we really focused on the corporate outings. And even if it wasn't a corporation, so to speak, but a mom and pop shop could bring their employees out, have a little tailgate, spend some time with them. And, you know, for a hundred or 200 bucks, buy tickets for the whole office and their spouses and kids and everybody and celebrate something close to home that didn't take an all day commitment to go to Chicago. And when you start lining those up and that takes some effort, um, and it's taken a couple of years actually, but we start chipping away at 40, 50 people, 40, 50 people, 40, 50 people, all of a sudden there's an extra 200, 250 people on top of kind of the normal 300 ish that we would get. And, um, my job, although nobody told me it was my job was to make sure I got out to all those groups, whether it's in the tailgating or stop up in the bleachers and see them and just like, obviously thank them for coming, make sure they were having a good time. Try to give them something special beyond just the mass ticket. It's a little challenging at our venue, as you know, that sometimes it's hard to make a completely unique, you know, hospitality suite situation. But but they understand the constraints and nobody nobody's expecting uh, you know, to be in a skybox for five dollar tickets. And everybody just kinda had a good time. So that was definitely a memorable uh, match that you brought up against Chicago House. That was our Maggie Strong game. And uh, to get the result was really just the cherry because it was such a cool day. Um, so many things just went right. Um, and I think that's, again, that's where we made a big impact on on people outside of the soccer field, which was really special. Which is, which is our target audience, realistically, isn't it, unfortunately? Um, just refresh me uh, on the numbers. Like, we have, what did we average across the year? And, excuse me. What did we average across the year? And what did we get on the Chicago House specifically, give or take? Like no um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was like 420 was the average between men and women. 
and we oh i'm 619 jumps to mind as the because we i think we had 517 against adria which was six off the all-time mark and everybody everybody i talked to said why didn't you lie i said well why would we what's that do and then uh yeah then we came back about a month later uh father's day weekend which was also kind of interesting we did so good on a holiday-ish weekend and it was uh 619 and uh that's where we had the skydivers and that was like it was really such, such a great day it was ever the stars aligned for us didn't they but i think they're like I, it's easy to gloss over that just the average attendance um fracturing the ladies as well right like um our, our ladies attendance was phenomenal i think um yeah yeah and we yeah. we didn't really do an awful lot did we i think that, that seemed like it was more of a branding exercise of just like people will come in because there was the cow represented i could be wrong but yeah, I, no, I think I think the hard part, the biggest challenge with our women's program is that they play their league games on Tuesday nights. And obviously the summertime is the best time to get people out, but um, because the numbers were a little lower um, than the men's games, it was hard to kind of ramp up all those extras on Tuesday nights. So basically it was come out and watch a match. You know, there wasn't sort of that Saturday night fanfare of, bounce houses and face painters and all you know the dj all that stuff um so it's we're, we're gonna have to monitor that as we go along to see if that makes sense that is it a, is it a byproduct of well let's give them more reasons to come on tuesday nights or is it not worth the output to spend money on things mm -hmm. because it's ultimately a tuesday night still you know to get 200 230 out on a tuesday night to watch uh, a game huge it, to me is is uh phenomenal so um as long as they're playing on tuesdays i think it, it is what it is it works better for the players um and as long as it's not a as long as we can give them as much of an equal experience as possible you know i think that's what we as a staff have decided we want to do and, and that's what we'll continue to do for sure for sure um let's drill into the the, the on-field stuff for a moment then like um in terms of the men's program first did you go into 2023 with any expectations? I know you try and distance yourself from the playing side of things, but were there any sort of um, communications with the with the coaching staff of this is what we want? And if there were, like, did they match up to them or what? Where were we at? Uh, yeah, there were probably some just informal conversations. Obviously, I um, I believe that we are a quote unquote big club at this level in our area. I believe we are a, a, a Define it how you want. We're a big club. Uh, what we don't have, though, is um, I'm, a, I'm not going to pick out on Tottenham or anything, but like we're a big club with no trophy on the men's side, right? So yeah. we we have to in our in our preseason meeting with the players. I stress, listen, we do everything else we can do to be a big club, except win trophies. So my challenge to you as players and as a staff is go win. You know, let us worry about fans. Let us worry about the experience. Let us worry about marketing. Let us worry about community outreach. Just go kick the ball in the back of their net more than it goes into ours. And that's, it's a little weird because they did that at home, right? They did it when it mattered. Um, and, it, and it's no fluke. We didn't beat, you know, two very good teams at home and draw the Bavarians at home because we're, we got lucky, right? That doesn't happen. Um, so I think that, like, it was clear that, you know, that's what our expectations are is we need to be chipping away off that. You know, we've, we, we reset with Luzzy coming in last year, 
right, as a sporting director and bringing in more college players and creating what the program was going to be about. And then he had an opportunity to build on it. I think we saw some guys come in that were impact players for sure. Um, you probably watch as much soccer. Uh, you don't get to watch a lot, right? We're working games usually or talking to people. Um, but I was I was impressed. I thought there was times when we looked just damn good. And I thought there was times that we looked like, well, there's not 450 people watching me, so I'm going to go through the motions here. And I think that's the hard part of just creating that consistency. But, um, you know, it's, I think that's it's, go soccer. It's soccer. Yeah, I think that, go, that, that talks to the wider thing of, like, league standards almost like it's um, – I don't, I don't want to big ourselves up, but I think we would all, we would both agree that we do things quote unquote differently to a lot of our rivals on match day. Um, and that's like we've had feedback that that's a good experience for players and for players' families and they've never seen it before, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's probably easy to raise your game in that thing. But then you go, you travel two, three, four hours away to play on a rec field with no markings and cones for goalposts and all that stuff. Uh, corner flags rather than goalposts. Um, and yeah, you would kind of switch off and think this is just a kickabout. I, I, we get it, right? Um, and the coaching staff, I guess, don't have the the time with the players to change that mindset, and the players don't have the necessarily the commitment. It would no through no fault of their own, the commitment to will, the will to change that mindset, right? They just yeah. Well, I think I don't think it's anything that you know other clubs have solved either. I think we're fortunate. I think a lot of clubs run around and play in front of a hundred people all the time. We're fortunate that we get half of the games at home with big crowds and there's that extra, you know, juice, right? So I think it's a positive thing. And I, I think my message is, um, if anyone asked, and since you did, I'll tell you, my message is if you want those ones at home to mean something, then you gotta, you got, can't switch off on the road, right? Because these ones at home are, are we, we're creating a little bit of a thing that maybe we can build off of. But we have to build up. We have to prove that it's home ground is is our place, and it's a tough place to play. And like that's not something. It, it's so hard in a freaking eleven week season. Mm-hmm. Eleven weeks out of fifty two. I mean, like you don't even get to really get some some mojo with the group and a couple of trainings a week. And um, you know, I I think that's where it's going to come down to uh, the technical staff has to come to us as a club. And say, hey, I need three trainings a week for the first month. I need a B. I need a. I need a. I need a little bit of money for a bowling outing for a little team bonding. I need like they need to tell us what they need then to take that next step, whatever it is. Sure. Um, I say there's no better bonding than winning a soccer game, but that's just me. Yeah, for some of them it comes more easily than others. That was all right. So then you just have to. Sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So. We touched on the triumphs, triumphs um, on the field and off the field. Is there was there anything that you were disappointed in that was in within your control? Like obviously, like results and whatever. But like as president, custodian, call it what you will, did anything fall short of where you thought we should be or could be? Oh, uh, I, I mean, this is really nitpicking, but this is what keeps us moving forward. Um, I was really excited after the the uh, opener against Audrey at home big crowd uh father's day maggie strong game big crowd and i remember thinking maybe we turned a corner because when you and i and the group you know we have a great volunteer staff we said we wanted to grow by 30 percent 
or I said it and everybody listened, whatever. Um, we were like on track there, right? We were like, okay, well, maybe the community, maybe we found 200 extra people in the community that now maybe 500 is the new regular thing, right? And then I can't remember the games because I don't, we, the next game I, I did, we didn't, for whatever reason, like the stars didn't align that we had all these corporate outings and different things. And I said, well, we don't have anything lined up, but we did, but not like some of the other ones. And, uh, we'll see what happens and let's see if 500 is the norm now. And it dipped back down to three thirty, three fifty, whatever that game was. And I remember thinking like, damn, I thought we turned the corner. Um, apparently, and I want to give credit to Evaldo at Steel City because he said this uh, on a call a while back. He said it's very much still an invitation-only event. There's very few people that are going to come out unless you grab them by the shoulder and walk with them. And yeah. I think that, that's true to a point. I mean, there's people that will put them on the calendar, uh, but some people just don't even think that, hey, they don't even know we're here. They don't recognize that that's a thing and that's a good family like the 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 saturation into this community is still not there and we're five or six years in and um it you just can't let up like you just have to keep dragging people and have our volunteers have to all drag one family drag one neighbor drag one coworker, and hey come on out come on out. it's cheap it's a great time if you don't like it i'll buy you a beer whatever it is like we have to be aggressive in that we cannot take for yeah. granted that because we're here, people will show up anymore. We're still not there yet. No, we're not. We're not. Um, we're still an afterthought. I think we're still. We're, it's not the first thing you think of if you're into. If you've got kids to entertain, or you just a loose end on a Saturday night. It's not. I wonder if Decal were at home. It's like, well, this this is too expensive, and we went bowling three weeks ago, and yeah, yeah, yeah. What else can we do? Um, and it's it's the change of the mindset, isn't that for sure? Um, talking about the fans then, and you know, the, the hope for growth. I think we still, which year on year, we're still up, right? We might not have made 30% growth, but we still improved for sure. Um, what, what do you believe contributed to that in terms of, um, well, those numbers? Well, uh, I think, I think we've, I think sustainability, number one, like, like we've always said, if we're not here, we can't do anything. I think the fact that we're still around and there are people that have heard of us that actually some, I would consider supporters that have just never made it to a game yet. You know, there's people that know me, they know Jenny, they know Rom, they know BBB. I don't count you because you don't live here and you're, you know what I mean? Like nobody here knows you other than your sweet voice. But like the people know that we're involved with this thing and they, and they go, oh yeah, I need to get out to one of those games. And I know there's still people that, hey, just the schedule didn't work out. We weren't available. We had weddings, we had graduation parties. Um, but I think this year we actually were very, very much, um, forward thinking of, I need to get groups out, you know, and, and it's, I need one birthday party every game. I need one, uh, you know, we had the dance, uh, the dance group out from dimensions that first game as well. And they brought the whole competition team and, uh, they, um, I don't know, they had, 30 dancers out there plus parents and so i mean there's 80 90 people like and it worked out it was a beautiful night they were able to do it the dance with their costumes on you know it's a rainy night they're going to cancel so there's so much that's out of your control but i think we just have to be aggressive to check those boxes hey we need a, a halftime thing we need a pregame thing we need a cause for the match we need this that 
And I think, cause I think people enjoy it. We might have to drag them there the first time, but then they go, oh, I get it now. You know, a lot of people have told me that, John, I thought you guys just had like a soccer team. I go, yeah, yeah, it's what we, we do. They're out there, but we're over here drinking beer and having a good time. And look at those kids that you don't have to watch because they're running around over there in the corner playing soccer. Like yeah. there's so much more to it. And I think it's just, we just got to keep getting people out. Which yeah. is easy. Easiest easier said than done. I think we, yeah, we've definitely pivoted. I, talk, I spoke to you the other day about um, the research I was doing elsewhere about um, the clubs at higher levels um, who uh, make a feature of their fans and versus their players, or clubs at our level as well, or whatever else. Um, and almost universally, it's, you know, and I get it, but it's, cl- it's clubs talking about the football experience, the soccer experience for the players. Um, and come and watch us. Well, why should I? Like, there's, I think we, we've found our voice in terms of, um, like you said, there's a soccer game happening, but it's almost periphery to what's, what we want you to come and do, which is have fun and drink beer and let the kids get a bit sweaty. Um, and I, I hope that message gets through to other, gets through to others, um, that, you know, it doesn't have to be player driven. There's a place for player driven clubs, of course, but I think, uh, fan driven clubs are what takes this whole escapade to the next level but again just my opinion and not necessarily bounded in any sort of fact other than well, i've seen it here um the community aspect of things with the the corporate parties and whatnot was it how much work goes into that from your side as you know our community days on at the moment well i really i really try to make it as uh easy for me as possible because i think the more the more i try and set a standard at Let's say we're going to call it, hey, you have a company outing, you get A, B, C, D, and E. Well, if I, if I miss deliver on one of those three or five things, now I've kind of like, I've almost done a, a negative. So I make it very easy and I tell businesses. So I go, Nick, hey, why don't you bring your company out? Um, you guys can set up a tailgate. Tickets are five bucks. That's as cheap as they get. I can invoice you so you don't have to buy anything. I'll have them wait at the door. You guys can do a tailgate, whatever you want. Um, Make it easy. If you don't want to tailgate, if you want to take them all to dinner at Fatty's beforehand, if you want to go whatever, that's fine too. Or if you just want to meet them at the game, that's fine. If you want a designated seating area, let me know and I'll put some markers up for you. If you guys, you know, a lot of times people want to move around, so I don't like to pigeonhole you to an area. Um, So you let me know what you need. Let me know how many tickets you need. You can tailgate four hours ahead of the game. We have a pre-match DJ, all that good stuff. Um, and let me know how many tickets you need. I just need to know like the day of the game. Either give me a list or just tell me how many you can distribute them. If you give me a list of names, the ticket booth will have them. Then they can show up at different times. You don't have to worry about it as the coordinator. You can just have a good time. And sound good? We'll see you there Saturday. And I get it, you know, and it's done. And then I pop out and see them. Thanks for coming out. Let me know what you guys need. Here's your tickets or tickets are available at the ticket booth. Um, you guys need anything at all. You got my cell number. Just shoot me a text during the game. We'll take care of it. And people are very like, they don't want a lot of clutter. Just, yeah, I want to sit here, have a hot dog and a beer, go into the game when it's game time. That's it. They don't want a lot of hassle. They don't, the coordinator from your company, you're not going to want to go, well, I got 74 people coming. I need four tickets for the Diaz family and four tickets for the Roberts family and three tickets for, you know, we take it all out of their hands and make it easy. And then, um, and so they enjoy it. They get to come have a good time. So then they're happy to plan the next one because they didn't get overloaded with an extra work day, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, so I've just made it real simple that way. Yeah, I'll throw if it's if it's a big group, I'll throw a scarf on somebody or whatever. I mean, like if hey, if you guys got any kid that want a ball kid, send them in to see Jackie. Mm-hmm. A little extra something to get the kids occupied. And that's it. Like don't don't have to overthink it and and go, well, if I was playing this game at Soldier Field, what would the experience be? Doesn't matter. That's not where we are. Yeah. Well, get get them in the door. Leak is what the experience would be from my experience as well. Uh, so just live there. <laughs> um all right then so have you well has there been any other than the actual game day have there, has there been follow-up have you noticed like increased engagement from those organizations that you put the time and effort and blood sweat and tears into has has there been a subsequent uptick that you've noticed i i, I can't say a measurable thing but you know the the companies that have taken advantage of this opportunity to to you know, I really stress that employee appreciation thing because that's a kind of a buzzword right now with, as we like to say, the kids don't want to work anymore. So let's, let's create a cool way to spend some time with them. And the ones that have done it have either come back a second year and done it again, or, Hey, we had a great time this year. We'll definitely do it again. And let me know what we can do for sponsorships. So like the very basic experience of just attending is enough. Like they seem to get it. And People know that we're volunteers and they know that we're not run by a millionaire and we're, they just, they understand our constraints and many of them are just like, let me know anytime I can help or do anything, let me know. So I think there's yeah. like, I think it's just, just get like, do the, do the simplest basic things very well. And then like we do with everything, right? Nick, you let the community guide you, right? If, if, if these businesses weren't coming back for our little outings, then we'd change it. But they like it, and the feedback's good. So just don't overcomplicate yeah. it. We got enough to do. Definitely, keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh, I will, thank you for leaning into the community, like offering help. Because the next question is all about the volunteers. We've just sort of come out of the other side of not a volunteer drive per se, but you know, we we have we are very fortunate that we have an awful lot of volunteers. I think bigger volunteer group than some people get might stay attendances, naming no names. Um, how do we as a club? look to get people involved and engaged in supporting the team first off. Um, and then we'll talk about actual volunteering times, but like how, what, what, what do we want of people to when they turn up? Well, this is the thing that I've been thinking about because we are, as you said, kind of adding some volunteers now in this early off season period. Um, I think the something that goes back to some of the early podcasts, it was when somebody offers to do something, or says, Hey, let me know anytime I can help. Well, here, hold this, like give them something. Yeah. Now's yeah. the time you can help right now. Yeah. Um, and then I think the way that we're trying to this year, which we've never done this before, you know, we created a Google form where basically you tell us what level of volunteering you want to do. I think that's, I think that's important because not everybody's going to do this every day like you and I do. And some people are only going to want to do it 10 match days a year and maybe only seven of those. And we have to find points in between where we can put people like any other job, paid or unpaid. How can we how can we delegate the work to the people with the right skill set and time and maturity to complete the tasks needed? And then go back to basics. What are the ten things we need to do? Absolutely. And then what are the five things after those are done that we're going to do next? And I think that's where we're at. We're we're up that list into forty, fifty, sixty by now, but. There's always more we can do with more help. Um, and organizing that group is one of my biggest challenges, just figuring out how to 
stay engaged with everybody when we don't have office hours. We're not all sitting around the cubicles running a soccer club together. We're all doing it on the side. It's very challenging to not over stress people like yourself and not like under engage where they don't actually know what their role is. So I have to do that with each individual person in a way. And, um, but optimistic. I think we got a good group of new people coming in here in the next couple of weeks that now we're going to have to reorganize another small group of people to add to what we already have. And again, just keep growing. So I think the arrows pointed the right direction for sure. Good problems to have, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what, without giving away too many secrets, like what, where are we looking to sort of move the club toward? What's the, what's the ne- what are the next priorities for our volunteer stroke board people? Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, um, general, a general term community, not even outreach, but impact. Um, and I kind of been sticking on that impact word lately. Outreach is just like, to me is sending emails. Impact is doing good, whatever that is, right. Whether it's bringing, you do a lot of great stuff where people will say, Hey, I'm doing, you see things without even being told. Like there's a Lee hand drug is doing the Daisy run here. I think on the 15th or whatever, and you promote it. That's, that's actually impact because that's getting the word out for that organization that they're, that they are doing a um, so I think there's real simple ways that we can have more impact. Um, obviously some of the, um, impact starts with outreach, right? We have to, we have to make connections with these groups so that we can then impact them. So I think with one of the things I want to see with the volunteers, uh, particularly some of the new ones that I know, um, have the skill set to kind of like be more forward facing, I think, um, I'm anxious to see how we can align a group, um, sort of a community impact, community outreach, sort of a committee and really set, like, let that group set some goals of what can we do every month, every quarter, every whatever to make sure not just set up a booth at an event, but maybe set up a booth at an event. And what can we do? You know, whether it's meals on wheels, do we have enough volunteers to do meals on wheels? Do we need to continue doing that? Um, so I just want to, I really, and I don't want to be the idea guy for everything either because that gets exhausting. So I want to bring people in the room, set the loose parameters of what, what the club is about. What do they see? We got, I think seven new volunteers that have filled out the form. And I think maybe a few more will here in the next week or two potentially, but then what do they see? They've, they've now been a fan for a year or two or three or four or five. What have they seen that they think we're lacking? And then let's go do that. So, and then what, why does that leave you then? If you're getting all these people to do other things other than drinking in the bleachers, like what does that free you up to do? Why is that not enough? Cause as you said, unless you're doing it in your part-time, there's only five, some five evenings in the year, right? Which leaves 360 odd that you're not doing that. So what are you going to do in that extra free time? So, uh, one of the things I'm working on, um, just to, because we're trying to share our experience here. Um, one of the big projects I'm working on right now with one of our interns is an operations manual. So, um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to give a sort of a checklist, a playbook to hand anybody, an intern or a volunteer or whatever, and say, Hey, I need you to help me with putting this thing together. And I use tryouts because that's something I'm already working on for the winter. Um, what is the checklist to, to, from, from 
John says, go do, go set up tryouts. What does that mean from here to coach pick the team? What is that? What needs to be done? Right. Um, how do you line up the venue? Who do you call to confirm dates? Who do you do? Give you the playbook. So that, that is one of the big pieces of information. I'm trying to take all this stuff out of my head and put on paper for, for the whole team. So we go, Hey, we need a graphic made. Well, what does it have to have on it? Well, Nick, I'm going to have you write that part of it. Tell me what you need on the graphic. When we're doing a sign up, we're doing a registration piece for a camp. What has to be what has to be taken into account for a camp? And who do you talk to? And where do you get this? And where do you get t-shirts? And blah, blah, blah. so it's an elaborate, um, it's an elaborate manual. What I'm done with it, and it's nowhere near draft form yet. But um, but I think that's where I want to get the the just the busy work out of my hands because I need to focus more on um, what you all say that I do well, which is going and talking to people. So whether that's an increased amount of time that I can spend talking to business partners, or is it, is it, uh, uh, communicating better with our Academy to make sure we're tying in that youth arm as much as possible? Is it working with Luzzy to go help recruit a certain player that he says, Hey, I need to get it. We need to go sell this guy on our program. Let's go get him. Um, and it, it even politically, like I try to work with, you know, the state association, I try to work with USASA. Um, I still do a little bit of expansion stuff and a little bit of involvement with the Midwest premier league. So what can my relationships do to let me learn from what others are doing and understand politics and the sort of the, the system of soccer that nobody else at our club pays attention to. So I have to be, I, somebody has to kind of be monitoring what's going on outside of our little bubble as well. So mm-hmm. I think, as you know, I will keep myself busy plenty. <laughs> yeah. I was looking to your general mental health, John. I don't want you to be too bored. All right. Um, final section, I guess, is money-wise. Um, what, did we have any first-time sponsors, I guess? Um, and how did we get to that point whereby they hadn't been with us before and now they thought it was a good thing? Is it the same process as fans of like i always meant to sign up or like did people not know existed or yeah what yeah i think it's a little bit of everything again it goes back to sustainability now people maybe have heard of us for a few years now people maybe have heard from their neighbor that it's a cool thing now maybe that business owner actually actually stumbled into a match and had a great time and then it was hey i want to be a part of this um i think it's i think it's a lot of different things um and, and it as we've said many times on this podcast, right? There's nothing like boots on the ground. So uh, we were fortunate that it's not just me. There's uh, two or three of us now, three of us really that focus on sponsorships. Um, and these new volunteers coming in, they might each know somebody that would be interested in, in getting a banner for next year. Um, I, it really just comes down to connecting again, outreach impact, all these different things. And um, just like you just kind of don't stop the hustle. It has to be just a relentless thing. And, and really, I think we've talked about this many times. I don't want to rely on sponsor money at all. I want that really to just be icing because mm-hmm. I want I want the fans coming through. It's cyclical, right? If we're getting hundreds and hundreds of fans, sponsors want to be there. So the sponsors have been the um, sort of the bridge, right, from inception to where we are, where we're going. But eventually you want the fan income 
to really drive your revenue. And then the sponsorship yeah. stuff could either, you know, it takes a lot of time to go out. I'd rather be talking to fans than sponsor. Is that achievable? Like, is that a, a legitimate goal to have whereby fan revenue outstrips sponsorship revenue? Uh, I think it's, I think it's absolutely achievable. It's not achievable in year one, two, three, four, five. Um, but we're getting to the point, um, again, like such a amazing thing that we're even still here. We're getting to the point where we have, we have nearly a year. Once I get the end of the year financials from this money, man, we have nearly a year of expenses in the bank already. Like we're, we're almost working on last year's money. So now we're not like we can adjust the budget, right? How much we give you for marketing. If we have a, just a crummy attendance next year, the budget may come down and the marketing guy, you would say, well, that's when we need to increase the marketing budget. But that's like, we are able to flex up and down because we're not on a shoestring right now. Like we didn't have, we, you know, we've talked about it, right? We had $300 in the bank at one point. We have more than much more than that. now. How can we spend it resourcefully where we, uh, as, you know, we made money, every home game made money this year. Now there's plenty of other expenses than just game day, but if you can make money from game days, that's a really good trajectory to be headed into. Well, we're actually, we make enough money now at game days that we could actually replace all the sponsor money. It's actually like right. an attainable thing. We just have to keep, do you focus your time on raising sponsorship dollars or do you go, I want to increase the fan experience or can we use the sponsorship money to drive fan experience with bounce houses and game day stuff and food trucks or whatever we can do. Um, and that's where it just kind of, you got to just be diligent in your uh, finances and, and you know, BVB, he'd gone, let me spend a dime. So that's why we've been able to do what we've been able to do. Yeah. That ties into the last question I've got on my G GPT mind map of like the, the actual financial health of the club. Um, you alluded to like, there's more expenses than just game day. Uh, what are, what else is there other than game day that takes money out? And what else is there other than game day that brings money in? And how uh, successful? Or... Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I, I mean, so we, we only bring money in from memberships, ticket sales, sponsorships. If we run a camp, uh, and merchandise, like really, I think that's only, only five things. Um, you know, my wife, Jenny took over merchandise, let's say, September last year, about a year ago, she kind of like just grabbed onto it and said, I'm going to take ownership of it. Um, she's not even in a year of trying to be a mom and an employee and everything else. She's not even organized to where she feels that part of our income could be, um, and really being able to understand basically running the fan shop, which is kind of, it's a whole thing. Um, but it costs money to do everything we do. If we, if we have a camp, there's some income from it, but you have a lot of expenses from it. Uh, we have league dues, we have insurance costs. We have, when we do community outreach, we sponsor. If one of the high schools is having a soccer camp, we'll sponsor that to try to get some brand awareness. So like, so we try to put our money. I say the money came from the community, no matter what it came from the community. Cause it didn't come from me. And if we give too much back to the community and start to struggle, like I'm, I'm, I understand. I'm okay with that. We didn't, we didn't all buy brand new training tops, right? We didn't get, you know, like we try to be very diligent and walk that line between taking care of our volunteers, taking care of our coaches, taking care of our players, 
and and still being able to make that community impact financially. And and it's everything is just every year it's like, okay, we made a little bit of money. We made a little bit of money. We made a little bit of money. And it's taken five full seasons to kind of get to this point where we're we're like we're comfortable. We're we're kind of on autopilot. Now it's let's ramp it up another ten percent. Yeah. It's funny, it kind of it just struck me now like there's that old cliche of like, um, if you go into business for yourself, the first whatever it is, two eighteen months, two years, two and a half, three years, whatever the time frame is, you make you run at a loss, right? That's just acknowledged. And I mean it just the parallels to this are fairly self evident, it turns out. They're like, um, for whatever reason, you've got to you've got to take the hits and bounce back and learn where to store your money and where to spend stroke lose stroke use your money um and that only comes through experience like yeah, yeah we you know with the we've said a thousand times on the podcast about the, the the hiring of a coach for that one away game um and it's you know it's the it's the cleanest the cleanest example we have of, of the not mismanagement but you know the mistakes we made when we didn't know any better but um it'd be if it was if it was easy as we are trying to make it everyone would be doing it so it's it, well, we're always going to fall and fail. I think not catastrophically, but you have to like like raising kids. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think the the thing that surprises me, and you say this all the time, like we're not planning to be experts at it. We've just been the way we've done it has been successful. Not the only way, not the best way. It's worked for this little corner of the universe, and it doesn't mean it would work apples to apples really anywhere else but there's so much free information that you can steal from watching you do this all year long you see what a club in scotland does and you send it to me guess what will happen in may we're doing that like nobody i don't believe that this lower league soccer community of clubs leagues is a little different of poaching but the clubs don't mind somebody taking an idea from them Right. If it works for us, use it. Uh, I also, I think uniquely we're in a position where we're able to do a lot of it. And, and it's, it's really kind of a special place because there's so much room around it. Right. You have the outer fence, the inner fence, kids can go play in that corner for two hours and you don't have to worry about your kid running out the front gate. It's a, it's a nice secure place. I know the club that we played in Chicago, they just don't have room. They don't have room for a food truck, a bounce house, uh, they, like they don't have room for any extracurriculars other than the soccer game. So I know there's things that we can do that others can't, but there's just so much repeatable stuff that works. That's where I, I just think sometimes people just don't just do the easy thing and copy. We do it all the time. Yeah. Jesus. We're not, we're not great thinkers, not great visionaries. We're great plagiarists. Um, I would take issue with the fact that we, we, we want other clubs to copy us. Um, I don't. I want like well, I, I absolutely I absolutely want seven clubs around us to copy it, so we only have to travel half an hour. But then everyone else go, go and die for. All, and I don't mean that nasty. Yes, I do mean that nasty. Like well, if, this, if, 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 if Valdo's club drops, if Valdo's club drops off the face of the earth, I will not lose any sleep. Um, there's no one who's got wants to go to the south side. But but equally, we need we need a Valdo's club. We need Milwaukee clubs. We need clubs in Nevada. We need all these clubs to to build the basement. Well, I, I, I say it all the time. You can't build this. We all, we all act like we want to build a, a, a better soccer nation, but nobody wants to build the foundation. 
And that's what we are. We're, we are the bottom and we should embrace it and hold the whole thing up. But we're all at, nobody wants to be tier two and nobody wants to be third best league. I'll be the 15th best league. I don't really care. Like we can have the community impact in pretty much any league. So it's just, uh, I know what you're saying. Yes. I don't want everybody to be doing exactly the same thing. Um, and I also think that's one of the things that makes us stand out to players. When Luzzy recruits, he's got like, hey, you're going to play in front of more fans than you play at your college most of the time. And it's what, it's what gets players to come back because we do things differently than others. And, you know, I just think what we're doing just works for us. Maybe it's not the right thing for everybody, but it just works for us. It's all for us. Um, but you know, we've been around for five years and some of them will be around for 105 years. So there is more than one way to skin a cat. It just Absolutely. happens to be. Um, yep. and what we're doing works is work is working for us right now in this time and place in history. That doesn't mean it's the solution. Um, all right. Anything, uh, closure of time. Is there anything else you wanted to yeah, talk about? Let's, let's talk about you. So oh. I think everybody knows, well, Everybody should know by now that you handle our uh, marketing, media, social media, all everything online comes from your um, dedication to your craft here. Um, what things did you, good, bad, or otherwise, on on the marketing side of our club? What was twenty twenty three like for you? Um, interesting. I I liked I liked some of the numbers we were producing, physical numbers on game day. It's still a frustration to me that we, I, for whatever reason, I can't get the Facebook pixel to work, and that's going down a, a rabbit hole that no one, no one really cares about. But bluntly, I can't see how much impact my Facebook ads are having on game day attendance, other than more people turn up. But that might be because you're going out there. Um, that's a bigger thing. I, I love the pivot that we made to fan-centric marketing and fan, um, just targeting families and fun and community rather than the players as i said i think that just makes us stand out on any level whether it's the mls clubs that are in our area or the nisa clubs or the pla club or whoever it is pla isn't anymore is it um upsl clubs we do that our tone is different our positioning is different and i think our value props are different is is the product on the field as good as i would like it to be no um, but it's out of my hands. I, there's a reason I'm not a coach. There's a reason I'm not a player. Uh, I'm terrible at it all. <laughs> um, but I, but uh, I, I think I went through last season saying that we could, we could have had, we didn't have, but we could have had one of our worst seasons statistically, and yet one of at the same time one of our best seasons statistically. Uh, with exactly the same table. Like we could have finished 11th. We were never going to finish below Roxford, but we could have finished 11th of 12 or 10th of 11 or wherever it was. Um, and we finished mid-table, which is great. But we scored loads of goals. We were attacking. We were fun to watch. We beat the people that we wanted to beat with one noticeable exception. Did we stick the place up away from home? Absolutely. Um, but we were also a bounce or two away from changing that narrative, realistically. Um that indie, that indie boys eleven will, will kill me for the rest of my life. My life. Um, I'm still going back to the marketing thing itself. I'm still battling. What is the best way to do it? I, I'm conscious of the fact we are kind of a jack of all trades and master of none. We the set with we put the same messaging out on every single platform, and that frustrates me. Um, 
because once you once you follow from one, there's no reason to follow us anywhere else. Ha, that's just a manpower issue as much as anything else, um, and that's not a plea. That's just a fact. Um, and I don't know how to change that. I don't know. I know that our audience on Twitter is glo- is nationwide, stroke global. Global's very grandiose, and our audience on Facebook is the audience that we want. That the 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 families that buy tickets, but what's the what's the messaging for the Twitter people who are bluntly the, the Twitter people are the ones that are going to listen to this podcast. Mrs. Smith in Belvedere couldn't give a crap about us about this podcast, so I don't know how to take it to the next level of diversifying our voice and segmenting our audiences and all that mark, marketing mumbo gumbo. I would love better creative and that's not a slight on the people I've got the creative team now but I would love people that can do photography and videography and editing and anyone listening to this has seen the shit that I put now there that is all on me and I was not something I'm particularly proud of but um not all on me sorry that's not fair the video I'm thinking particularly of the video stuff um but I think the our presence deserves better than we give it um, and again, I think that's a financial decision and a um, a bigger conversation than we've been able to have. Uh, and I think the one thing, ultimately, I think the one thing that frustrates me as a fan, not as an employee, is that is the disparate, there's the dis- difference between American fandom and British fandom. I don't see, with a couple of exceptions i don't see people being dyed in the wall dkcu fans i have we haven't got under the skin of people what we do doesn't actually matter we're a diversion um and it's not a case of being the only the biggest show in town or whatever else right i come from a background of non-league soccer in england where there were 50 60 70 people at a game and they would kill for the attendances but those that we're getting but those 50 60 70 cared enough to swear at a referee and you know that's a, the passion thing is a different point but to swear a referee to to call for a manager's head and to travel and go and support the team somewhere else the yes the distance is a greater and the equipment therefore is greater but um we are not transferring come and spend your saturday evening with us to come and spend your saturday evening with us in chicago and i don't know how to do that and i don't know if it matters um but it frustrates me there you go a very long answer to a question they didn't really ask. No, I, I, I think we've seen it. You and I have been to enough away games together where uh, many times we, even with a limited traveling band of misfits and some parents, we have more than the home team. And if you could, mm-hmm. if you could create that, um, hey, I'm willing to go into a Chicago Fire game and spend forty bucks on parking and forty bucks on a ticket times four. I'm going to go park for free and watch a. DKCU game 40 minutes away for 40 bucks for my family. Um, and it's a club that means more to me. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a very, this is where you and I are alike because it's like no matter what we're doing amongst our peers, we feel like we're doing, you know, pretty good. The, the drive to do and, and to integrate more and to like become part of the fabric here, um, that's a thing that really doesn't probably exist with the exception of a few clubs where there's those diehards, you know? Yeah, look, we've, we've got the the supporters 
group for what, for all it's worth, but it's a supporters group in name only, isn't it? Um, and you don't have to be a member of an organised outfit at all. Um, and it's the sidebar, that's a fascinating thing to me about American soccer culture is that the desire to belong to a supporters group rather than just turn up. But um, if that if that culture exists, why are more people engaging with our supporters group? Or why are they setting up a different thing if they don't think that's the supporters group for us? Um, yeah. Is that a thing that is that something that we have to kick? I don't think it should be, but if it has to be, it has to be. But um, like, where's the? How do we go from being a distraction to being a passion? Well, I think I think to uh, having not put much thought into it. Again, you said it earlier. Why do people? Why should people come watch us? What 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 reason have we given them? To me, that's the people that become diehards are the ones that we went and helped. You know, we went and we went and supported the thing that they're passionate about. Now that doesn't make them a diehard for us, but it certainly makes them an ambassador for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's it, it's some some clubs, especially as you go higher up the ladder, are fortunate enough that people want a soccer club and cling to whatever the soccer club looks like. Now, whether it's the sons of Ben starting up before Philadelphia Union even existed, whether it's um, successive MLS cl- clubs um, having um, supporters groups whilst the club is still being built or like launching, um, and you know supporters groups down the ladder are a rarefied thing. But there's no, I don't understand why the love of your local community doesn't translate into the love of your local quote sports team, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, minor league baseball is a version. You can get three, four, five, ten thousand people coming out, but it's just quote fun. It doesn't matter, um, and yet there's, there can be nothing for hundreds of miles that quote doesn't matter. Uh, and maybe it's a bigger thing. Maybe a thing of what of the position of sports within American culture versus my experience of British culture. But um, it really does matter back home, and it doesn't matter here, whatever the level. Even I, I would argue even at MLS level versus Premier League level, um, you see goal celebrations and they're completely different. You see, it's all just more reserved and peaceful and tranquil, no matter how much they try. And I don't know why that is. So the the other thing uh, before we talk all night, the other yeah. thing that's oh, interesting is our die our diehard most diehard supporters. Guess what we're doing? We're asking them to join the staff. Because they're the ones that have shown the most passion. So we're taking our fans out of the stands, in theory, and saying, hey, come help us grow the back end. And then we ought to replace those fans. Yeah. Right? But that's part of that. I think to me, that's part of just where we are going. And then maybe someday we get to the point where we go, and you and I have talked about this many, many off seasons. This is what the org chart is. Here's the jobs we have available for volunteers. There's no more available. The staff is in place. Go be a supporter. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but I think we're still building that org chart out and what, oh, 100%. What, yeah. what can we do? So we can't turn away those volunteers. We need to keep ourselves fresh. And uh, so it's just, it's just interesting. I think we're just, yeah. I think overall, everything's going the right way. You used a phrase and something unrelated a while back when we were talking to. Ivaldo, that will be his name, about um, the cost of doing business. I think it was about email programs or something. I don't really matter. But maybe like 
losing that first generation of passionate fans is the cost of doing business, is the how we establish ourselves, set our roots. They're the ones that dig the foundations, right? And then the next generation comes along and the Nolan Tobins of this world are the ones that actually appear to be physically supporting rather than doing all the background work. And I think, I I think one of the things I didn't mention too, Nick, I mean, we, we, this was our first season with the Academy. So you, you, that was another thing that we were dragging Academy kids out to games, um, and bringing their families. And we did create some new fans that I saw every single week they were there. And so I think inspiring those Academy kids and other youngsters in the community, I mean, inspiring them to some opportunities and some high level local soccer that it represents their community specifically. I think that that made a dent too. And I think that's something we got to continue to work on, um, explaining to those Academy families, what are you an Academy of? What is the greater, I'm not saying greater in that we're better, but what is the greater vision of the club that you now as an Academy player are inherently a part of? What do we stand for? What do we, what are our objectives? What can we do to, to, that's 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 the future for us, you know. Is those kids growing up? Maybe I mean, there's kids playing that academy. They're going to be playing on our men's and women's teams here in the next few years, and some that did this year. We were able to bring up five or six U19 players to join the men's team in uh, mid June. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool thing, right? So if we keep growing on those those local ties too, I mean, there's just there's so many good things. It's really a matter of do we focus on one or two or do we continue to do 10% on 10 things or do we just really get after a couple of things and yeah. see what happens? And that goes back to what we're saying, right? This is our way of doing it. It's not the right way because there is no right way. Otherwise, there would be a template and there wouldn't be the the, the roadside casualties that there have been in American soccer. Um, look, I'm conscious of time, but this is you know, this is this is why I try, we try and have a script and then it always goes away from us. Um, but you know, this is also why we don't record most of our conversations because they just meander off but um thank you for your time john uh, but now more than ever i appreciate that you've got a lot of shit going on are um, you are you working on a guest list for this season well the, the guest list is the fans i've we've got a couple of names i can edit this but here we go oh don't edit this is what the people love they love us with. well yeah so obviously we've got the like the, the, the standards of andy and evaldo and whatever else um i want to get talk to lansing um just about lansing but also about social activism um, I think they we use them as a template for all that is good. And a frustration of mine is that when whilst we we look at community outreach, we're not like a totem for quote doing good. I don't think. And maybe we can't. My version of doing good isn't necessarily everyone else's version of doing good, and vice versa. And I know that's a conscious choice. I'm interested to see how they've made it work in their community. But then I've got people around from various other podcasts, uh, the Bluegrass Show, um, Pitch Perspectives. Um, and then I also want to talk to some experts on marketing things, specific marketing things like Facebook advertising and the utilization of Canva and whatever else. And then sports um, enterprise people like a guy called Mr. Richard Clark, who has a great podcast that everyone should listen to. And I'm going to lean on you to see if we can get Wilt on. I've got a list of 59 possibilities at the moment. So um, if we do seven, I'll be, we'll be lucky. Thank you for your time, John. Turn down.